You and I are very similar in that we have no problem speaking our mind and saying the things that need to be said to ruffle some feathers because it's fucking true, right? And it makes you authentic. People trust you. You trust yourself. And at the end of the day, you then have people that respect you more because it's better to be loved or hated than, oh yeah, she's like kind of cool. Friends, welcome back to another episode. I'm Monica Yates, and today we have Samantha Smith on the episode, at, on the episode, on the podcast. And I'm very excited for you to listen to our conversation. It was spicy, it was juicy. If you put two Sagittariuses in a room with a red outfit, you are bound to know what is going to happen next. So that's what happened. We had so many technical issues. We had to get my fiance in the room, and it was like, this is why we have men, because I swear to God, he just looked at the computer and then it was fixed. I'm like, how did you do that? Like, they have their own magical powers of just fixing things. I swear. This episode went in so many different directions and it was so juicy. If you are running your own business, you need to listen to this episode, especially if you're in the coaching space. For those of you that don't know, I started in the coaching space a long time ago before coaching was really a thing, right? When I remember looking up coaching and it was like not a thing, I was like, what the fuck is a coach? I thought a coach was like for a basketball team. It really, there wasn't much out there. There wasn't you know, it wasn't talked about and there definitely was not this whole trend of like make a million dollars by being a coach and all you have to do is work four hours a week. Like I'm like, who does like, that's not me. So sorry, not one of those. Um, and you know, so Samantha came into the game a little bit later, but still earlier, like, you know, still like earlier than some, the bottom line is that we both are unafraid to speak the truth. And what I really loved about this conversation is we gave it to you real and we weren't afraid to to do that. I mean, you wouldn't really expect anything less from me and you wouldn't expect anything less from another Sagittarius. So if you run a business, listen to this episode. If you have ever felt like you want to move overseas, listen to this episode because Samantha also talks about her move to Madrid and how that really helped her and shaped her and defined who she is today. The bottom line is I really hope this episode supports you in just breaking out of the shell, being unafraid to be polarizing, to speak what's on your mind, to be bold, to be courageous, because that is what is going to get you where you want to be. As usual, for those of you that are business owners and you want to learn how to run a feminine business where it's not just airy-fairy, what this means by having a feminine, like a truly feminine business, not the airy-fairy kind, because I'm not really about that, is about having strong masculine structures that feel right for you and in alignment. The Feminine CEO is one of the most extensive business programs I've seen out there, not in terms of like, oh, here's a template, copy and paste and it'll make you a million dollars. That's not empowering. So if you go to the website, the link is below, just scroll through the modules. Like tell me they don't entice you. You also get a one-on-one with me. Well, depending when you listen to this, but as of you know, August, September, when this comes out, September, there's still one-on-ones happening of 2023. Bottom line is go to the website page, have a scroll, have a look, have a listen, have a read. If you have any questions, you know where to find me, send me a message, but whew, the testimonials speak for themselves on this one. All right, guys, let's jump into this episode with Samantha. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, expert in the industry, and a friend. We are both Sagittariuses. Her name is Samantha, and we are both wearing red. So you guys are in for a fiery and spicy episode today. So welcome to the show, Sam. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I know it was too funny when we when we jumped on and we both realized we're matching, but it's the energy for the episode. 
Exactly. And we've had some technical issues and then we had to get my my fiance to come in. Fiance, what was that? Fiance to come in and then he fixed it. So we're like, he didn't even do anything different, but I think it was just the masculine touch that was needed to just calm down the energy in the Riverside room. (laughs) Anyway, let's jump into it. So Sam, if you want to share with everybody a little bit about you as a person and then your business and kind of what, what you do for work. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned that we're both Sagittarius, which I feel like my sort of life's journey is a beautiful reflection of that kind of energy. So my story really started when I was 21 and I decided to study abroad in Spain and I was just trying to have fun and I was playing around on Tinder. I met a guy, fell in love, and then my whole life kind of changed from there. And so that is what led me to when I went back to school to to finish my degree after that, really realizing that corporate America just like wasn't something that I wanted to go into just yet. I was at a summer internship after I had just traveled all over Europe and like expanded my mind and fell in love. And I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? Like I can't do, I can't commit to doing this for the rest of my life, at least not now. So I really like my, I had a huge perspective shift just from traveling and that whole experience. And so that's when I decided to decline my corporate job offers after school and just move back to Spain, date this guy from the same city get a random low paying English teaching job and see where my life would take me. And so my journey into personal development was really, it started then when I moved to Spain full time because I was on sort of my own like self-discovery journey of not only trying to figure out where I fit in the world and what I wanted to do with my career because I was deconstructing all these ideas of who I thought I was going to be. I had this vision of myself for my whole life that I was going to be this like, you know, boss woman wearing like a suit, carrying like Mm -hmm. the designer briefcase and, you know, stomping my way around Chicago. And that's where I wanted to live. And like, it all just was dissolving and disintegrating. And so I really didn't know who I was or like what the vision of my future was going to look like. And I was also working through some body image stuff after college and all of the binge drinking and partying and all of that. And so that's kind of how the portal of self-development opened for me was because I was in a space, in a space of confusion and sort of like self-loathing of not really, not really loving myself or my body. Yeah. And so I leaned on things like yoga and meditation and books. And I started listening to podcasts and I really started to reconstruct my vision of who I was and build that self-belief back and slowly over years, you know, changing my life through changing my mind and subconscious reprogramming. And then I just, I had no idea that that could be a job like sharing Mm. that work and those gifts with people. So I kind of started really innocently in a way. It was like 2017, 2018. Um, Obviously, the coaching industry was like way different then. I had no idea that it even existed. We kind of thought at the same time. I didn't even know that. Yeah. And so I think like, you know, I wasn't running a business yet then, Mm. but I was like starting to kind of see, oh my God, like people do this for work, you know? So I feel like I really got my start probably more in like, 2019 but yeah you you know it was so different back then oh my Um, god so so different back then it is and we'll talk about that today like how it's changed and the good and the bad with that because yeah when you and I I mean when I started it nobody was a coach it was 
I mean, no, when I started, nobody was even talking about periods on Instagram. And now like every second person is a period expert. I'm like, because you've read one book does not make you an expert. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. But that's like with anything, with any topic right. now, it's like everyone's like an expert for five seconds because. Yeah, it's crazy. So going back to college real quick, I obviously didn't have a college experience because you don't really have one in Australia it's kind of different unless you you know live at university because you live like far away from uni like you're what we call a quote-unquote border which means that generally speaking your family lives on like a farm like hours away from the main city and so you board at uni um you don't really like the college experience is like you can't even compare it compared to America what do you feel like what do you feel like is detrimental, at least for women, about the college experience in America that like in hindsight you can look back on and be like, gosh, this kind of these situations that you're constantly put in or whatever is really damaging to a woman's mind and body. And then what parts of it do you feel like are really important for for women to experience? Yeah, this is such a funny question to think about because like I loved my college experience and I wouldn't trade it for anything, but also you probably feel this too, like being an entrepreneur now, like, mm. you know, someone who spends a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars on college education, you kind of look back and you're like, that was a fucking scam. <laughs> you know, what's so funny is last night we had a friend over for dinner and he was saying how, like, for example, uh, this school here that my, uh, fiance went to, it costs $35,000 a year to send your child there. And I'm like, I said, I said to my fiance, I said, I'm not fucking paying $35,000 a year for a sixth grader to go to school. Like, I'm sorry, but like I, so I went to a private school. I grew up with a good education, but it's so, it just blows my mind, especially nowadays, like more so in America, you guys pay an astronomical amount for education, which to me is just fucking crazy. It should just be a given. Everybody has good education. You shouldn't have to pay for that. It blows my mind and I'm like, I'm sorry, why do I have to pay $35,000 for my child to go to fucking school for one year and learn what? They're not even learning how to like do taxes or anything helpful. Like they're actually, you know what I mean? Like what stuff do you really still use that you learned in school? Like I don't know how to do Pythagoras' theorem anymore. I don't like all, so much of that stuff we don't even use. Yeah, I think it's a Pythagorean. <laughs> Is, oh wait, wait, okay. Wait, Pythagoras. No, okay, we call it Pyth I will we call it Pythagoras's theorem in Australia at least. So you probably okay. pronounce it differently in America, but we definitely call it that because I fucking remember that stupid like triangle thing or whatever. Yeah. And that's like the that's the one name I remember from math class. And I did the it's hard maths and I still can't remember it. It's always the example that we give of like I do not need to know that Sokotoa like a squared plus b squared equals c squared. But yeah, it's crazy. And I, I have a nephew who's three and my brother was telling me like it can cost like six to twelve thousand dollars for a preschooler to like go to a good preschool it's just crazy but aside from the, you know the finances of it to go back to your question I think there's so much about the college experience that can be really challenging for women I mean just first off the the drinking culture and the way that you're kind of like expected to just binge drink and beer bong and do all of these things and mm. also look super skinny and hot and you know be able to stand on the table at the frat party and feel desirable or whatever 
Um, it, there's that, right? Just like the culture of it. I think there's also like a competitiveness sort of thing when you're in that mm-hmm. like environment. Everybody wants to be wanted, especially when it comes to like relationships and sex and things like that. And there's this dynamic of like, competition between women especially like Mm -hmm. I was in Greek life and so there were sororities and things like that and it's like you know this is the cool one or this is the better one and we're better than you for these reasons and we look hotter than you because of whatever and Mm -hmm. I think that culture in general of like women young women especially feeling like they're pitted against each other we know is like so unhelpful it really is. So on that note of like sisterhood wounding, I'm sure you've dealt with your fair share of being an entrepreneur and having a business. For me, like I lost a lot of quote unquote friends. They weren't real friends, obviously, when I started my business because of the jealousy and the competitiveness and whatever. What has been your experience and what have you found you've had to really anchor into in this, you know, like in this transition of going from the quote unquote normal life where you know, you're all kind of doing a similar job and whatnot. And now you make a lot of money and you run a business and you have a large Instagram following and whatnot. What were some of those hard challenges that you had to go through with the sisterhood wound and like, where are things now? Yeah. So I think my experience with this was sort of unique because when I started my business, I had moved like across the world to a foreign country where I didn't know anybody. And so Mm. I feel like I was almost, I was fortunate in the sense that I didn't have the proximity to the people that knew me, the old me, or had like that pre-constructed identity of who I was. I wasn't having to go to baby showers or like weddings or be invited to birthday parties or like go to actual in-person things where you're seeing these people that you grew up with or went to high school with or whatever. And so I was already pretty isolated, right? And so I think that really actually helped me because I wasn't even like, I didn't even have the peripheral vision of like, oh my God, like Mm. no one else around me is doing this or they think it's weird. Or when I go to their house, like they don't ask me about it or they do. And there's weird energy. Like I just didn't have any of that. So I think it really served me in those early years of my business because I just literally didn't even realize. But I will say like people, you think that your friends and your closest people are going to be the ones who support your business the most. And then you always find out that they're not really like there's that meme that's always like, you know, strangers support your business way more than your best friends do. And I think there were definitely times where I wondered, like, why don't my friends ask me about it? Like they are watching my stories, like they're seeing what I'm doing. Why wouldn't they be like, hey, like saw you started a business or like, how's it going? Like, but I don't know, like, I guess just detaching from the need for other people to care as much as I cared and really just like staying in my lane and knowing this is who I am. This is what I want to do. I trust myself. I see the vision and I'm going to let the chips fall where they may. And like the relationships that need to dissolve, they will. And the ones who are real friends who want to support me, even when they don't understand it, like those people are going to be there as well. And like, luckily, like a lot of my friends from college, I've, my closest friends, like I've maintained those relationships because they're just those those kinds of people where it's like, yeah, they don't really like, they don't love me for my business. They don't Uh, care that I'm on Instagram. Like, and, and maybe, you know, they didn't ask as much about it because it's not significant to them. That's not the basis of our relationship. 
And you know what? I think this is a really important point that you bring up. I mean, number one, if you are running your business and you want validation from other people, you're already setting yourself up for failure. But then number two, like I've got a few friends like this where we grew up together in Sydney and like they don't care about my business because why should they? Like I'm not different. You know, like like you are different, but it's almost like they it's a good thing they don't care because they're not putting me in this like she's special box just like I'm not asking them intricate details about their job they're not asking me it's that it's usually like yeah how's business like how's work same thing like yeah good okay next because like you said their friend that they love you they don't care about your business yeah exactly I, I think that's really it for one time only, I am hosting my LA pop-up event and I am so excited to be bringing this to you guys. We are doing this for one time only and it's happening on October 21st of this year. This is a day-long event. It is going to be fun. It is going to be spicy and you are getting an exclusive look into my book before it has even come out. I am very excited for this. We are going to be going into polarity, manifestation, self-respect, boundaries, procrastination, perfectionism, and so much more. You will also be getting a Q&A with myself and my fiance, which is very exciting. For those of you that run your own business, you may want to look into the VIP option as well. Some of the spots have already been snagged, but if there is any left, maybe that one is for you. Okay, so jumping into like the coaching stuff and everything um, and the industry, you and I are very similar in that we have no problem speaking our mind and saying the things that need to be said to ruffle some feathers because it's fucking true right and it makes you authentic people trust you you trust yourself and at the end of the day you then have people that respect you more because it's better to be loved or hated than oh yeah she's like kind of cool so what are some of the biggest things that you noticed coming into the industry when it started to get bigger because like we said before when when the industry just started out this is kind of like when i was getting into it it was so different there wasn't this like there is this really dark side of the industry and especially i think it's because there's a lot of women in the industry it's women against women and it's like it's this competition and all these sisterhood wounds of you know we're all like oh women supporting women i'm like it's bullshit because women are pulling down other women and and publicly bitching about them online to make themselves feel make them feel better and make them feel like they're the queen bee and they're doing the right thing and everybody else is wrong. So what have been some of the biggest shifts that you've noticed since the industry has kind of gotten bigger that you've had to really pull yourself away from? Yeah, I think one of the things that first comes to mind in terms of like what's shifted is when I first got into the space, there was never this like constant like one upping of like the finances mm. of it. And that's like a lot of what it is now is like, especially in the business space, it's like this much money per month, this much money per week, like this much money per year. Like I made this and it was so easy. And if you're not hitting this, like here's why. And there's just been way more of a focus on the money and the finances of it in a really big way. And some of it is positive because for me, I know in my journey, seeing the possibility and the potential, the earning potential specifically in the industry was a huge eye opener to me because mm -hmm. like I said, I had no idea originally that this was even a job. And then when I saw people making $100,000 a month, I was like floored. I couldn't even believe that that was something that was happening. So I think there's positives of like expanding people's mind. But to your point of like the competitiveness, I think that it's been taken to a level where it's just like, 
you know, you have to, there's people that are faking screenshots or doing certain mm-hmm. things because they feel now Wait, that actually, they have really? to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like people like faking screenshots or uh, of like payments or inboxes or wow. things like that be- because of the pressure of like, yeah, 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 yeah. If, if I'm not showing like the money of like what's happening and I'm not good enough. Yeah, it's sort of like a way to build authority. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it there's way better ways to build authority way. than to just show <laughs> the money. <laughs> right. So you know what's interesting about this is I was on an interview before um, and we were kind of talking about and she was asking me about the essentially like how we've devalued the feminine, like the feminine role and how, you know, the whole like why are women so misindependent all the time like why don't we let them lead and such a big component of it which is then like exacerbated obviously in this industry is we have been led to believe that we if we have more status as a woman we're going to feel better as a woman you know we went so long without with not having any power and not having any status or earning capacity and men are the ones that you know would hold the status and they are the ones that go after the status and we've been kind of sold this lie of the more money you make as a woman and the better you are and the more of a quote unquote status you have, you're doing better in society. Like you are like ticking the box, you're filling the hole or whatever it is. And now you're enough of a woman. And it's so interesting that you said this because I'm like in an industry that is predominantly women where we should be honoring our feminine, honoring the fact that we don't need to just be achieving status like men are operated to do. It's funny how there is like a polar opposite at play, like a full dichotomy of you should be making X amount of money and kind of putting ourselves against each other whilst at the same time, it's like, be feminine, look after the kids, like cook dinner, blah, blah, blah. And it's two polar opposite things happening at once. And it's like, how can a woman achieve that? Yeah, it's overwhelming and confusing as fuck for someone who's watching it. Because I also think that people are not fully honest about, I mean, something that I really like about like what you share, for example, is you talk about how you love your work and you enjoy the Mm. process of working. And this is something that like Alex Hormozzi says all the time too. He's like, I like work and people are always getting on my ass about you know what you're gonna burn out like why would you work 12 hour days and obviously he runs uh, i think his companies are valued at like 200 million dollars or something (laughs) and so he has like a lot at stake and i'm sure there's a lot of work to be done but he's like that's my that's my passion like that's my Mm. game like that's like if i loved golf i would be golfing all the time or every weekend or as often as I can. So I work as often as I can because I love it. Why should I have to do something else that you think that I would enjoy or that would help me not burn out Mm. when what I actually enjoy is doing my work? And so to the way that you share about like you enjoy working, but you can still be in your feminine and you can still work. I think what we're seeing from other people sometimes is this sort of image of both of those sides of the coin, right? Of like hustle, like make all the money, do all the things, work hard, and then also be the, you know, totally in your feminine and relax and receive and, you know, just be the housewife and whatever. And it's not always completely honest about how Mm. they're balancing those things. So my point was like, I think you're really honest about it of like, I do work a lot. Like you'll share, like I'm in the car and we're on the way to dinner and I'm doing work like on my laptop or whatever. (laughs) But, but then there's the element of that where like you're letting your fiance drive and there's just these little things of, of sharing the realness of it. I think what's Mm. messing a lot of women up 
is the fake vision of like both of those things coexisting exactly in like a 50-50 percentage. Like it's just, I mean, even for me, like it's not really like that. I also love to work and mm. um, I'm not 50-50 with how I split my energy. Sometimes it's 80-20, sometimes it's 60-40. And for me, like that's what I've discovered balance is. It's not yeah. being equally split 50-50 all the time. It's just finding that, you know, rhythm of when something needs more attention versus when the other one does. Agreed. And I think something that's also just um, confusing and it just is misguiding for a lot of women that want to run a business and also like have that desire to make a lot of money for whatever reason that they want to make a lot of money is the whole notion of I work four hours a week or I only have two calls a week and I make a million dollars a year. I just am like, okay, well, good for you if that's actually the case. One, I'm like, I don't understand how that could be the case. But also number two, I'm like, I think that then that again, in like a different way, it gives this very misconstrued idea of you can just make shitloads of money without having to put that action and value in the making of that. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what I'm saying. It's like this, this painting of a, of a vision that is most likely not real. Yeah. Right? Like any, anyone who's built a business knows that that's probably not real. And, or I think sometimes there's also an element here that's important of like, as the viewer, using your own discernment, being able to understand something that you get to do in year eight of building mm. a company is not how you built your company starting at day one, right? So there could be people that they only work two days a week or four hours a day or whatever it is, but they probably have like full-time employees and, yeah. and other people that they've delegated things to. And so it makes sense, but there's this idea that, you know, maybe a viewer is like, oh, well, you know, I should be able to do that while running my business or starting my social media account. And it's like, then they feel overwhelmed and they're confused and like, I don't get it. It's supposed to be easy. And like, I'm supposed to be in the flow. And like, I just, you know, at the beginning, it's like, well, it's not really like that. Entrepreneurship is not easy. Like it, fe and I'm sure to you, Sam, like it feels easy because that's my passion. I love doing it every day. But if you, th if you have the idea that you can just work four hours a day when you're growing a business, I'm telling you right now, that is just not the case. Unless you wanted to take 10 years for your business to get off the ground, there is blood, sweat and tears in the beginning. And you don't have to burn yourself out to, to like start your business by any means, but there is hard work that is required. And social media just paints this picture of it's all rosy and easy and you just like travel and work and that's all that happens. And I'm like, well, just so everyone knows when I travel and work, they are the most exhausting trips. They are not sunshine and rainbows. Like we don't go out for like cute dinner dates every night. Actually, I'm working most nights because of the time difference. And we're having like this random half dinner at like either 5 p.m. or like 9 p.m. And I don't like it and it's not ideal. But like that's the reality of the travel and working. And we're going away in a little bit. And I'm like actually on a mission to try and show that more. Um, we're gonna like film a bunch of it to be like, this is what it's like to travel and work. It's not just like laying on a sunbed all day and and working from my phone. That's not what it's like at all. And uh, I, think, I think the whole thing also just sets women up with the false expectation, just like the, the social expectation of, if I miss independent and I tick this box of who I should be, then I'm gonna be happy. They go and achieve that and they realize they're fucking miserable, you know? Yeah, I was just thinking um, about how how you film a lot while you're traveling like you film a lot of your modules and 
stuff for your programs. And I was thinking to myself, like, yeah, that's, that must be like kind of chaotic sometimes. Cause I know what it's like to travel. And I'm like, <laughs> check me out. Like, I don't want to be in work at all. But then what I sacrifice in order to have that is that I work a shitload before I actually go on vacation because I have right. to have all the things filmed and I have to catch up on the calls and do all the podcast recording. So it's like, you can do it in different ways, but either way you split it, you're going to have yeah. to put the work in. Yeah. And actually, um, my fiance is like booking all the trip, the flights for us. And he's like, just an FYI with the list of everything that you want and all the pictures that you want and where you want to go, we're going to be spending two nights in each place. And I'm like, Oh, I'm like, buckle up. Like I need to take those fucking supplements. <laughs> Need some serious camaraderie to get me through this. Anyway, we'll see how those videos go. Um, so, in terms of relationships, so I am assuming Sam that you are the breadwinner in your relationship, and I know that your partner has, needs to get a visa and everything. Fucking, I don't know how that's going for you guys, but been there. It is we got not it. fun. Oh yeah, you we got, got it. it. That's amazing. Yay! Oh my god, I'm so happy for you guys. Okay, so what have you noticed has been some of the things that you guys have had to work through with you? being the one and, and I guess more so before he had a visa you were the one that was working and making the money and I know we kind of spoke about this really briefly when I came on your podcast but share a little bit like what that dynamic is like and what challenges you guys have had to learn to move through yeah so I think because I'm in this space and I hear these conversations a lot I was sort of already anticipating what the what the challenges could be and what mm -hmm. that might look like and so I was just, I was sort of like, oh, like, how is he going to take it? Is he going to feel super emasculated? Like, you know, how is this going to affect him? Because I love my work and mm. I am happy to be able to like provide for us in the interim while he gets settled in America and gets his green card and gets set up and all that stuff. But I know as a man, it can feel really jarring or like disorienting mm -hmm. to not be the provider and, or to not yeah. feel that you're the provider and the protector. And so I just kind of had conversations with him about just bringing him into the awareness of what was really going to happen. And that, you know, when we went out or when we had to buy stuff for the house, like furniture shopping, all those kinds of things, I was like, you're going to have to let me pay for things. And so I was just trying, mm. kind of trying to like bring him into like the reality of the situation so that he wasn't yeah. totally like caught off guard in an experience of like, oh my God, I felt so weird that I didn't like pay for the couch and you did or whatever. Yeah. Um, so we, we had conversations like early on of what it was going to look like because it was definitely a switch. Like when I first got together with him in Spain, I was dirt poor. <laughs> so mm. like he was making all the money. So it was like a full like swap, right? Um, Which is kind so of beautiful for you guys because he's had that opportunity then to really lead you in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And this is what we talked about too, is like there were multiple times in my time in Spain where I was between teaching jobs or I, I got fired from a job at one point. Um, and there was also like every summer we would have almost four months where we wouldn't get paid from our teaching jobs. And so I was already like so low on funds mm. and it would always be like we'd get to the end of the summer and I like could barely buy him a birthday gift or you know he would have to cover the groceries and there were lots of times where he fully like covered for us you know like when I wasn't in the financial position to do so when I got fired he was like it's totally fine 
you're going to be okay. Take your time figuring out what the next move is. Like I've got everything covered, like bills, groceries, dog, all the things. Don't worry about it. And so we, we had had that experience, which I think was really helpful. And it almost like mm-hmm. made me feel like the experience of being the breadwinner was like super nourishing because yeah. I wanted to be able to like give that back to I love that. Man. I love that. So in terms of growing your business and everything, and obviously you, he's seen you kind of go through all of that and you did that in, whilst, you're in the, whilst you were in the relationship, what would you say to any women that are wanting to build their business that are in a relationship? Because something that I often hear is this fear of or this challenge of trying to juggle a relationship and also growing a business because at the end of the day growing a business is time consuming and it requires boundaries and limits and stuff between business and also the relationship and you were in that camp so what is some advice that you could give yeah I think when I think about the reason that it's worked for my relationship is because I have a partner who also really values pushing themselves and achieving in their own way like someone who values success Mm -hmm. and putting in the work towards achieving a goal someone who's like growth oriented they're not gonna feel weird about you spending time on something that's really important for you and growing Mm -hmm. your business they're gonna feel proud of you for that like Jaime will tell me all the time he's like he always like wants to bring me back to the days when I first started, whenever we hit a new milestone or something in the business, he's always like, don't you remember like when you first started and you would like stay up until midnight typing out your eBooks and like you would work full time and then you would come home and you would just always do your business. And like he reminisces on those times with me because the way that he saw me in those moments Mm. was through pride it wasn't through like oh my god you're so annoying like why are you doing this little ebook thing like it's useless when at the time like objectively the things that I was working on probably weren't like you know big money makers or like crazy things but that you can't was, like, have yeah, that this- mindset at the beginning you have to like right. you have to be okay with like chipping away at things yeah and so like making sure that you have someone in your life if like we're talking about relationships who's also growth oriented and values success and hard work because they're going to look at you putting in the hard work and they're going to be like that's hot this is such a beautiful narrative shift because like so obviously i already had my business before i met my fiance and everything you just said i'm like that is so beautiful that he has been able to see you go through that you like he he gets to share that with you he like reminds you of that and I just think that it like that is such a beautiful narrative shift for anybody listening that's like how do I do this and juggle my relationship like it's gonna be like he you know he's gonna pull me away from my business or like I'm not gonna get enough time to do to do it I'm like no no let's just swap you get to build your build your business and have somebody watch you do that and help reflect on those times because we forget them, you know? Like I remember some moments, but how beautiful for your partner to be like, do you remember this time where like on a Tuesday morning you were up at 5 a.m. doing X, Y, and Z and just like cheering you on? Yeah, I think that's really, I think that's a beautiful way for people to look at it. If you're scared of that, it's like you get to have a partner who sees you through the entire evolution and they're going to have so much appreciation for everything that you've built so much more so than if they found you at the point in your life when it was already built, when it was already done, right? Like you get to journey through it with them. 
I love that. Okay, so going back to when you started your business, now obviously you're more so, correct me if I'm wrong, helping women grow their businesses. But in the beginning, you were really working on like mindset, subconscious reprogramming, like holistic health, etc. What were some of the things where maybe you didn't know at the time they were really moving the needle, but looking back, you're like, these were some of the things that really moved the needle and not even necessarily just like acts, but like, you know, like not necessarily just the doing of things, but also the mindset shifts or the things that you were doing for yourself that had an impact in your business. Yeah. The first thing that comes to mind is, especially this was kind of like during the pandemic, I would just go live all the time and do like free, like live journaling sessions and Mm. guide random meditations. And now that I look back on that, I'm like, that was so nurturing for my community and it was building so many opportunities for people to really know me and get a feel for my work and my heart and the things that I was teaching in a really like authentic and beautiful kind of like casual way. And so over time, just having so many of those, they're kind of like community events. If you think Mm. about it, like so many, like I didn't even have to plan. Of course I was doing master classes and things like that, but it was so much less um, planned. I would even go live and just do like workouts, which is so funny to think about now because I haven't done that in so long, but it was like, I would just go live and be like, I'm going to do a circuit. Like if you want to do it with me, like (laughs) let's do it. (laughs) But it works. Yeah. It's, It's funny to think about now because like you, probably wouldn't see me doing that on my Instagram now. I mean, maybe I should bring it back, but it was like Mm. those little things that just really made people feel part of the Mm. community or like they were in my space. So I think that's something that's when you're doing it, it feels super underrated because it's like, what's the ROI, right? Like doing this one live video or giving away a free meditation or working out on camera. Like what is the ROI? Um, Right. But it's one of those things that's like a long game sort of thing. And if you're not in it for the long game, like just reassess things, you know, quit now. Um, Yeah. Like that's how I should have said it. Just like fucking stop because you're not in it for the right reasons. Like absolutely not. Guys, I literally have your summer plans sorted for next year. I'm so excited. If you haven't heard the fabulous news, I am bringing my three-day immersion back to New York City where it all started in 2019 for the first ever event, Never Not A Vibe. And I am crashing your European summer because I am doing my first Europe immersion event. I cannot fucking wait. I'm screaming, but I am not going to scream down the microphone to you because you're probably not going to enjoy that. If you have not heard the memo, if you have not gotten the memo, then you're probably not signed up to my email list, which you really need to be. If you didn't listen to the recent episode, which we'll link below on the kind of changes coming, then I would go and listen to that. The waitlist gets a $500 off code. So you probably want to click the link in the description right now before we get back into the episode and then you forget about it. And then you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that was this was happening. If you click the link below, you can sign up to the waitlist, but you can also get the dates for the New York City immersion and the Europe immersion. You get the prices, the everything so that you can save the date, you can put it in your calendar. No one then gets priority over you and you get to have the best best summer of 2024 because you get to spend it with me and more importantly you get to heal your trauma and fully step into the most radiant sensual magnetic alluring abundant delicious 
woman that you could possibly imagine yourself to be. So I'm so excited. Make sure your name is on one of the lists or both of the lists if you're thinking about coming to both and keep a lookout in your emails for all of the information as we start to drip it out to you guys. Oh, I'm so excited. So with the women that you work with for business and whatnot, what are some of the things that you have noticed people don't put value on that make huge uh, like shifts or really help push that needle forward in their business currently? Like even just what we were talking about before, like people could be comparing you to how you are in business right now, but it's like, yeah, yeah, but you got here and there was a whole journey prior to that that you had to go into. And we hear about all like the cold DMing and like when I get that shit, it's just like fucking gag. I even got one today and um, Olivia, who like helps reply to my DMs, she messaged it to me. She's like, I'm assuming this is a no. And like people are literally like cold, not, a, not even cold DMing you. They're asking you, they're kind of doing it in like a really good way, I will say. But they're asking you like a genuine <laughs> question. They're asking you a genuine question. So you think that they are like, you know, they're curious about working with you. So you then take the time to respond and then they try to start selling you to something. And I'm like, fuck no. Like, like now you haven't only just slightly deterred me. You have now completely put me off anything to do with your brand because of like the sneakiness around it and the lack of authenticity. So I know you've probably heard like some fucking horror stories and I've heard some horror stories about business coaches and whatnot. So kind of pulling those into the mix, what are some things that are the absolute wrong thing to do that you see your clients doing or thinking they should be doing? And then what is your advice on the right thing to be doing? Okay, so I feel like I, I'm going to flip this a little bit and still okay. answer the question. But speaking about cold DMs, an example of the like wrong thing to do is exactly what you said, to just like send someone a message and then be like pitching your product or service right away. Like we don't want to be doing that. But also another wrong thing that I see people doing is thinking that they don't have to put in the legwork in order to mm. build a business and that they're just automatically going to get people in their DMs going, how can I work with you? And so it's this fine line, right? Of like- Do you know what I say? It's not just meditation and masturbation. Like the whole like, just like energetically calling your clients, like, no, you've got to put the action in. Yeah, and so, you know, sometimes like there's a way to- message or do DM outreach that's simply for relationship building and community mm. building. Again, what we we're talking about of like playing the long game, whereas the person who is in your DMs who's trying to sell you in the second or third message, they're playing the short game, right? They're assuming that right. they can sell you something right away. But if you're sitting there trying to build a social media following, especially in today's climate where the algorithm is so different, it's a lot more challenging yeah. to grow. You know, I think you do have to put boots to the ground and you probably do have to do some sort of outreach in order to bring people into your audience or give them value in some way. But you can do it in a way that's not immediately trying to sell them, right? Where it mm. truly is like a value give or you're reaching out to make connections with people who you think would be aligned clients someday in the future, right? And just kind of like bringing them into the fold of your business. Maybe you offer them a freebie. Maybe you send them one of your workshops or something like that, but you're not then immediately going to pitch them for a sales call. However, a mistake that a lot of people make is they do nothing because they hear people talking about the, oh my God, the cold DMs, it's so gross. And so then mm. they do nothing and they're like, why is no one messaging me to work with me? And it's like, cause babe, you literally just started, like you have to actually do stuff. 
I'm so glad that you brought this up because the amount of people that think I started my business last month. Why do I not have any customers? I'm like, bitch, I started my business years before I even made any money. Like even I used to like I did food blogging for a while and recipe creation and I would occasionally make like $200 from like a sponsored post or whatever, you know, where like a company would like pay for the recipe or whatever it is. And back then I'm like, oh my God, 200 Like I was so excited about it, right? I probably made like $1,000 in a year, not joking. Then even when I actually like actually properly started this business, it took me, I'm not joking, a good year and a half to start making just 200 bucks a week. You know, just to start making a little bit. And then it that that took another six months of consistently doing that before I actually was like making money that I could live off. And it is such a uh it's such just like a bullshit answer and idea where when you start a business, you should be making money within a month or two months. I'm like, it's not gonna happen like that. It could take you six months to start actually making money because you gotta build that know, like, and trust. Yeah. I think what's interesting too is like the people that are making money really fast, I don't know if you've noticed this, but it's sort of, we talked about this a little bit off the recording, but like the business coaches that have never built a business, they're starting Mm. their online Instagram business as a business coach. Like obviously people know that there's maybe in some cases more of a financial opportunity going the business route because when you're helping people make money maybe you can charge more i think that's one of the narratives or one of the reasons and and that that's not always true but it's one of the reasons i think why a lot of people are drawn towards that sector of coaching in general i think like those are the cases where you see people like making astronomical amounts of money really quickly but it's kind of built on a lie and you know a lie yeah on a lie um because if you really are building a business in which you have to cultivate true skill and be an embodiment of the work, like that doesn't happen overnight, right? Like that takes a lot of time. And just for some context too, like when I first started, I was charging, I I took on seven clients for the beta round of my very first program. And it was three months of, you know, a, a curriculum that they were going to follow and then weekly one-on-one calls with me. So 12 weeks of one-on-one calls with seven women. That's a lot of phone calls. I was also working full-time and Mm. they were only paying me like less than $500 a piece, right? Mm. So I got to the end of those three months and I was literally so exhausted because I was working full-time and juggling all of this and and not like I, what was the total of that? was like, you know, less than $2,000 or something. Um, So it was crazy, but you keep going, you know, and you live and you learn. But I think, yeah, it's, it's misleading to think that you're going to make like boatloads of money in the first, even in the first year of your business. Yeah. I have a, I have a, I have an actual masterclass that's called how I built a six figure business in a year. And right. what I actually share in that masterclass is everything that I did before that marker of that one year started that also counted towards Mm. making that possible because it wasn't just the first time that I sold something. If you count from like the first time I sold something to the close of that year, it ultimately was a six figure year. But what you don't see in that is the years of 
blogging and posting and my weekly newsletter that I sent out every single week without fail, like all of that stuff was necessary in order for that one year to be possible. And so I think it's important to show the context. Amen. Okay. So firstly, with the whole business coach thing, there's two things I want to say and then like hear your thoughts on. One, I believe that if you have never run a business yourself, how can you be a business coach? Because like you said, you're not a true embodiment of the work. You do not know what it takes to run a business. Even if you've worked in a business, it's maybe you're an operations coach or something or other, but you're not a you're not like telling an entrepreneur that you know how to run a business because you know what my operations manager does is completely different to what I do as CEO. Like it's a different set of skills, different brain, different things. And then the second thing is people find it easier to invest in their business than in their personal lives, right? We we unfortunately value our business more than we value ourselves. We think that because there is an immediate return on money, think being the keyword, there is an immediate return on money. Like, oh, I can make this physical money back by signing these clients. It's easier to spend it versus if you were to spend that money, let's say on your relationship, it's like, oh, well, you know, my partner isn't going to pay me back that thousand dollars or whatever. So you value it less, which is really very hard like it's a very it's kind of mean to do to ourselves to be honest like it's heartbreaking that we value we value that that status and that typical image of success over deep happiness and would love your thoughts on this because i feel like this is something that a lot of people I've seen it before where, where coaches, you know, used to do breath work or self love or whatever it is and then they'll swap all of a sudden into business coaching and it's so obvious to be honest to me and maybe it's just cuz i'm really intuitive where i'm like I know why you're doing this because it quote unquote makes you more money because it is easier to sell to people business than it's, than it is to sell to people relationships, which is such a limiting belief. Like you said, because at the end of the day, it's not about just like the money and the selling. It's about how you sell something. It's about how you market it. It's about how you embody it as well, you know, and if somebody is going to value their relationship enough to pay for your program or your service, then they're going to pay for your program and your service. And if you're a shit business coach, but you charge people a million dollars, it's not going to be sustainable because your business isn't going to last because your reputation is going to go through the drain. So again, it's like that long-term sustainability is so important. My first program, same thing. And this is after I'd done one-on-one coaching for ages. It was like, I think it was $900 and it was eight weeks. Every girl got a one-on-one call. Every girl got Voxer access as well. So I had 10 girls voice messaging me all the time. It was hectic, but I am so glad that I did it because all of those years of doing all of these like intense programs and whatnot, now I'm at a place where I can do a little bit less and have a little bit less, but that's because I've refined what's in there so well because I've had hundreds of women do it where I'm like, I know what to say. I know what they need before they even know what they need, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And even so just to like, yeah. even just to prove this thing, this whole thing wrong, like if, if I think about there has been women who have made more money in their lives or careers as a result of doing my like life coaching programs than mm-hmm. some of the like early entrepreneur like business programs and the like if you think about why that is it's probably because of the type of woman who was doing the program or the reason behind why they were doing it and so to your point of like people are more likely to invest in their business over themselves or their relationship or whatever 
we know that by investing in your happiness, your fulfillment, your health, all of that, you actually become the version of yourself who can make more money. Mm. Like it's actually a lot of the root. And so people are bypassing the root by just going directly to business. And so when I think about those two clients, let's say of like the one who's like, yeah, I want to start a coaching business and they join like a starter program like my abundant and ambitious let's say it's a four month mastermind to help you get your coaching business started if they haven't done that deeper work on themselves they might not even have the ability to like take the right actions to make Mm. that work for them but they thought that that's what they needed because they wanted to get an ROI but potentially you may have gotten a larger ROI if you did some of that root work first like there's a lot of clients who went through my life coaching program from burnt out to badass and they got like two times three times salaries they asked for raises they like started manifesting more money or experiences or opportunities or a changing career or things like that so it's not like it's not cut and dry of, yeah, business mm. is going to generate more money for you. I think we can just cancel that right now. It's just not like I can I see love it. clearly. It's just not true. I love it. And you know what? I've had the same experiences as in like the amount of women that won't do the feminine CEO, but they'll do Queen Alchemy and then their business is fucking booming all of a sudden. And it's like, well, I'm not surprised exactly what you said. I'm not surprised. Now you feel safe to show up online and to, you know, be seen and you actually feel safe holding money and asking for money and like you've like all those kind of things. So amen to that. Yeah. And like, I totally agree. Right. Like I talked about this on my stories not that long ago and I was just saying how weird it is that this is even like a thing you know what i mean Mm. like it's it's just like bizarre um that in this day and age you can just jump on instagram and be like i'm a business coach (laughs) like what (laughs) i'm screaming okay so wait on this note like because we spoke about this really like briefly before there are a million other ways to build authority right than to just be like to fake the amount of money that you're making or to just like say that you're a business coach when you have not run a business or whatever it is. I want to hear what would be your three, or let's do two. What would be, I'll give two, you give two. This is like Sag, Sag fire. So I want to like get the spiciest ones out of you, Sam. I'm quickly interrupting the episode for some vital information. So if you are a female business owner and you don't want to burn yourself out, you don't want to have to hustle to achieve success, and you want to be able to feel like you can truly embody feminine leadership, then you need to join the Feminine CEO. This program encompasses everything that you could imagine and more from the last five years of my business. And I personally think that is pretty special. Like what business courses seriously have that much information for all different kind of walks and transitions and phases of your business. Not many, right? It is suitable for everyone and it will take your business from just being okay to being a well-oiled machine. The best bit is that I am currently updating the videos, which will mean that a by about September, if not earlier, of 2023 this year, you will have a whole new library of chic, beautiful, and of course, very entertaining modules for you to step your business up to a whole new level so that you really have that masculine structure with the beautiful feminine flow because I am a genius and gun at it. And without that masculine structure, you cannot have the feminine flow. And as you guys know, when I'm saying masculine structure in your business, I'm not saying all these hectic strategies and even 
valve funnels or anything like that, you'll see inside exactly what I mean. And it feels so fucking supportive. Additionally, oh, Jelly's joining. See, I said entertaining. <laughs> Additionally, you also get a one-on-one -on -one with me that you'll be able to use in the three months post your purchase. And you will also be getting a, a Loom video from me, which is like a screen video recording where I will give your social media and your website an, a bit of an audit so that that can also be elevated too. The most important piece that you guys have heard me talk about a million times over and over is the healing component so that you can actually show up in your business and have the visibility and the success and the growth that you desire. And the beautiful thing about the feminine CEO is that with that one-on-one -on -one and also with the modules that are in the feminine CEO, that healing component is there for you, which is often, if not always the missing piece of so many other business courses, masterminds, programs that are out there. There is a payment plan available as well, and you can get stuck into it and start implementing everything right now. So the details are below. You can click that. You can click the button. You can join now. I will see you soon. And you can start implementing everything in your business, starting in the next 10 minutes and seeing the success happen immediately. What would be the two things that you would say to somebody that would build fucking authority in a way that does not involve money, figures, digits, etc.? One I think is like commanding presence online in mm. being super unapologetic with the way that you show up. And I'll you like, okay, so Alex Earl is a good example of this. People talk about her and how she like blew up on TikTok and got so famous and all that. She apparently was I don't know who she like, is, so I need to like Google her afterwards. Okay. She like lives in Miami. She's a college student, but she's like one of like the biggest TikTokers now. Okay. So apparently she was posting for years. And then as soon as she kind of started showing her like messy room and her skin struggles and her like drunken hungover states and stuff like that she started to get like a huge following because people respected her now we're talking about like authority so i'm not necessarily saying like yeah be drunk on your social media <laughs> yeah and you're gonna no one do that no one do that i'm telling you right now don't do that not recommended but the point that I'm trying to illustrate is like, you're going to command so much more presence when you're mm. truly your fucking self. Like you can just tell when someone shows up on their stories and they're like, so hey guys. And it's just all I very like postured and like it's trying to be something. So I think there's, there's that element of it. So that's my one is like commanding presence by being your fucking self, like and not it. trying to be what you think other people need you to be or what's like professional or whatever. Uh, ironically, like that does build authority because people trust you more when they feel like you're a real fucking person. Right. right? So it's like, oh, I feel like being my, you know, real messy self is not going to build authority because then people will think I'm not professional. And it's especially in today's day and age and, you know, Gen Z and millennials being like our main consumers, probably mm. like people really value knowing that you're real. So there's Normal. that. Yeah. yeah. The second thing is, I always say this to my clients, polarize to magnetize. The only way that you're going to become magnetic to the type of people that you want to attract is your willingness to be polar. Like a magnet is only magnetic because of the fact that it has polar ends. So you've got to be like really 
unapologetic in your opinions. And I think Monica is like a really good example of this for everyone that listens As to this you. podcast. <laughs> for, well, for everyone who listens to this podcast, like, you know, you've had episodes where you probably get backlash or people are like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like a lot of the stuff with, um, like feminism and things like that mm-hmm. and, and the role of emasculating men and all of that. Like you've got to be willing to stand in the truth of who you are and what you believe or else you're just going to be this like vanilla, uninteresting version that, yeah, maybe there's people that want to follow you, but it's just, it's all mediocre. Um, right. And medi- mediocrity is contagious. So if you're sitting in your mediocre version, then you're going to attract mediocre people into your environment. And it's, that's just going to be like what your business is. Fucking love those. Amen. And on that one, two like the last one two things one people either love me or hate me and I'm like amazing because I don't want someone to be like oh yeah she's fine like then I'm not doing that I'm not like magnetizing them right you you want people to either love you or hate you it's like when people say like you know you've made it when you there's some like bad press about you or something or there's some fucking like reddit thread like people care enough when when people care enough to bitch about you then you're doing good um and even just on the note of like the polarizing thing I did an episode a while ago because I, it had been like requested a lot about the trauma of like uh, miscarriages and abortions and all that kind of stuff. And that is a prime example because we got emails where in this, there was one email that was sent like back to back in a short period of time. One girl had like went fucking off about how it like wasn't a good episode and it was triggering. And I'm like, right. And that's your problem to deal with. And then another woman emails being like just deeply thanking me because she has to have an abortion and she feels so much better about it now and like blah, 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 blah. And it's just like a prime example of people are going to see your content through their own lens. So don't try and control it because you have no control over how people are going to see your content. And I think to your point, Sam, is that when you're authentic, people can feel your heart more. They can feel that you're not actually trying to be a bitch or that you're not trying to be mean or anything online. They actually feel that you're doing it in a loving way. Yeah. I just posted something the other day. I sent a, I saw this like meme and it was like, did you drink water yet today? You stupid bitch. And I sent it to (laughs) a group of my clients and I was like, good morning, hoes. (laughs) And then I, I screenshotted that and I posted it to my stories because I was like, it's just funny how like, this is just like my humor and personality, but like none of them are going to take it the wrong way because they know who I am, but I'm not afraid to just like be myself. Right. Mm. So they're business clients and I could try to be like super professional or whatever, but like, I thought it was funny and like, they thought it was funny and it like, yeah, it like gave us a good vibe in the morning. We're like, Oh my God. (laughs) LOL. I love it. And on your note about the authenticity, like one of mine is don't fucking copy people. Like it is so blatantly clear even if your words aren't the exact same, if you're trying to copy somebody else's energy or brand vibe or something because they're doing well, it is so clear that it feels ugh in your body because it shows in your body language because your body isn't like soft and malleable how it would be if you're confident in being yourself. It's stiff and it's just like awkward because you're trying to put on a version of well, not yourself. You're trying to put on somebody else that isn't you. And so when people are like, you know, why isn't like my content doing well? Or why have all of a sudden I'm not make I'm not, you know, making money or having clients. It's like, well, you're not being authentically you. You're trying to be somebody else because that's clear as day in like your content or whatever. You're trying to be somebody else because they're successful. So you think if you copy them, 
you're going to be successful too, but it's never about like one brand vibe equals success. It's about your brand vibe. It's an extension of you is going to give you more success. Well, let's be honest, like the reason why any if anyone who's listening to this who's ever invested in like a coach or a service of any kind, you can probably reflect on that. And even if you loved like the branding or the imagery or whatever it was, the real reason that you invested was for the person behind it, right? Like people join Monica's programs not because of the red color that she has or the font that she uses or the style of her website, even though it's beautiful. It's like at the end of the day, the reason that they work with Monica is because they want to work with Monica, right? Because of Mm. her personality, because of her openness, because of her heart, because of the way that she shows up, because they resonate with her. So you copying is only ever going to get you so far because you, you're not actually an embodiment of it. So it's like, yeah, Mm. you can tie a, beautiful ribbon on yourself that looks like the next girl's ribbon but then when someone buys your thing and they actually get into your program it's like what are you going to teach like this actually happened to me once where one of my someone that this is a really funny story one of my courses that's like a Mm. a passive money course I was selling one of my it was like a launch for one of my business programs and so a girl came into my dms and sent me like the word or whatever because I was running a sale or something yeah and so I just went to her profile to like check out you know who she was like what kind of business Mm -hmm. she had and do the whole thing before we started a conversation and what I saw on her page was one of my money courses completely ripped off and copied and Wait, the what? funniest part about it, yeah, is the audacity to like DM me to potentially have me as your business coach. It, when it blows my mind course... when people think it's obvious. It's so obvious when you're copying no, you It literally or was like the the pinned post like at the top of her thing was literally it said cosmic cash was the same name as my program so then i was like whoa this is interesting and i went into like her website page it was literally word for word from start to finish the whole sales page copied not even a comma was changed everything was the same all the names of the modules were the same and i'm just thinking to myself really i feel i hope that no one buys this because i feel yeah. so bad for the person that does what the fuck is she going to do when someone yeah. gets inside the course and she has no idea what she's talking about because all she oh. did was rip off naming branding and like words the sales page you know what i mean so it's that it's like copying is only going to get you so far like what is your plan what are you really going to do did you get a lawyer after involved that? Yeah, I, t- I talked to my lawyers and that's when we kind of like went into the whole like trademarking of everything and um, she took it down. I like messaged her and she took it down and, right. and whatever. But it was like, I was like, wow, I that's can't believe insane. people actually do that. It Honestly, I've had so many experiences where people have copied. Like, okay, so I've got like my contract, for example, that I that I use for like all my different programs and whatever and my events. You know, it is a custom contract. I paid my lawyers $14,000 on this one contract that it fit exactly my business, my things. And I have seen people copy and paste the exact contract and put it in their terms and conditions. And to me, it's just so dumb because I'm like, you realize I have a company in a different country to you. So like what is in the contract may not even stand in your company. You're then using it to like not get refunds back. And the poor person that can't get the refund back because they can't come to the event or whatever it is anymore. They're thinking that they can't, you know, ask for the money like firmly because you have this contract. Little do they know that contract might not even stand in your country. And I'm like, 
the kind of like the shortcuts that people want to take, I just think sometimes is, again, it's this whole like, I like it's this, I think it's just this culture, especially online of fast. I want to get there and I want to get there quickly. So I want to take shortcuts because it's going to be faster and it's going to be cheaper, quote unquote, than paying uh, their lawyer 14 grand or whatever it is to make a custom contract. But little do they know that it might actually cost them time and money in the long run. It's kind of like there was this quote that I saw the other day. If you don't want to pay for your health now, then you'll be paying for your illness later. Like if you don't want to pay for healthy food now, you will be forced to pay for your illness later. And I'm like, you could use the same situation in business. Like if you don't want to pay in time and money now, you will be paying in time and money later. Yeah. I mean, even the example of what happened to me, like if I didn't want to pay for like effective contracts or trademarking and things like that, my dad always told me, he was like, someone could literally take your work. And if they are like even, you know, a percentage of what they pretend to be with your work, like they could take it from you. And so you would lose everything that you mm. work towards by not paying for the protection or the preparation of it to begin with. Right. So yeah, I think, you know, we all want things quickly and we want to take shortcuts and there's definitely in business, you know, there's times where it makes sense to invest in those things and other times where it does make sense to wait. I'm all about right. like low overhead and, you know, not spending more yeah, than you need to, totally. especially when your business is just getting started. But Agreed. there are like serious things that you have to think about of like, do you actually want to learn how to do this the right way? Or do you yeah. want to, like this happens all the time where someone builds a version of a business because they saw someone else doing it. And then they're like, I started this membership because I thought that like memberships were going to be the best way to make money. And they're like, I hate this membership. And I'm mm. like, well, you probably shouldn't have started with a membership. And it's probably because they didn't invest in any real guidance around Correct. where's the best place to start. They just copied what someone else was doing. And then they realized, oh my God, this is so much work and it's low ticket and it's not giving me a return and I hate it. Yep. And what the fuck? Right. And I think to, yeah, to really clarify for people, cause I get questions about this of like, I'm just starting my business out. Should I get a financial advisor or like this instead? I'm like, neither just like fucking show up on Instagram. Like that's what you need to do. So like, just to be clear, like you don't need to pay for trademarking and lawyers and all these things until you're actually making money. But once you'll, you, once you have some kind of legacy where you're like, I don't want to lose this. And I've worked very hard for this. Then you need to value paying the right people to get things done properly so that you don't end up hating yourself for trying to make a shortcut because it's cheaper and then getting into either a shitload of trouble or somebody else taking your program, trademarking it before you do, and then you don't really have any options left. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. Like, I'll even get people asking, like, should I, should I invest in Kajabi or like whatever it is? I'm like, babe, oh, yeah, yeah. you literally need to post. <laughs> like, that's... That's the focus right now is fucking post. post. Like, I did not do Kajabi until like maybe, I think it was like end of 2020 or something. I was like, nope, you just put it in Google Drive and you send them the fucking link. Like simpler, the better in the beginning. Yeah, no, same. Like I didn't switch over yeah. to Kajabi until I was making, a, it was probably like late, you know, in retrospect. <laughs> But, right. But, yeah. but people don't realize that like running a business is really expensive. And I think maybe to wrap up, this can be one of the misleading things too of, oh, I make a million dollars a year. Yeah. I also spend half a million dollars a year, right? On 
on employees, on fucking Kajabi, on accountants, oh, on me. lawyers. Like seriously, like just because somebody made a hundred grand in a month, that doesn't mean it's in their bank account, right? Maybe $20,000 of that went into their bank account. But if you've got a team, like it costs a lot to pay my team, you know, on top of everything else that you have to pay for every month and living expenses and all those little things add up. People don't realize it's expensive to, to have a business. So it's like when you start off, do the things that are actually going to get you clients and give you that know, like, and trust and build that credibility. And that is cheap. You need Instagram, a phone, a laptop, a Gmail account, and you're good to go. I think that it is, I personally think it is, it is a good idea to invest in a website being made. Um, because it just, it gives you a place to send people where they could read more about you and programs and everything. But I'm like, that is where to start and then just leave the rest for later. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, I think there's way too much overwhelm of thinking that you need to have everything and all the fancy bells and whistles from the start, like knowing your starting place and just focusing on building the like, know, and trust like it I, I talk about this all the time like I did it a, a reel that people really enjoyed but it was like it was kind of it was cheeky it was just funny I remember but it was like yeah. the one about like should I start a course or should I like build a, an audience or something and it's just funny like why would you make a product if no one wants it like you first right. have to like create the community and the environment for someone to want the thing and then you can build the thing so yeah, right. agreed, agreed. Okay, Sam, are there any last parting words that you would like to share with anybody? Any Sagittarius words of wisdom that you feel like the people listening should remember from this episode? So I feel like my whole shtick is just like, <laughs> please, for the love of God, like live your life before you die. Like that truly is mm. my thing of like, the don't let fear hold you back and let you miss out on the gift of this life experience there's so many points in my journey where i had to choose myself over what made sense i had to mm. choose this man that i fell in love with over career over a salary over money over certainty over being close to friends and family but it was worth it because that's what I knew I wanted my life experience to be. I wanted to have the story of abandoning everything and running off to mm. Europe for a man and figuring it out. Like backing yourself enough to know that you can make those big moves and live your life truly to the fullest and always be okay. Because even when something doesn't work out or it falls through the cracks or whatever, like you're going to be smart enough and resourceful enough to figure out what to do next, right? Like if I had moved to Europe and abandoned everything and he broke up with me three months in, I would have a choice to make. I could stay, I could figure it out, I could get a job there or I could move home, I could start over in a new city. Like your life isn't over when things don't and go you know the what? way that you even think. When you said, yeah, even when you said that, I'm like, it's still a win-win. You got three months in Europe with a great guy and you could have spent the rest of your life wondering what if, like that is torture when, to have that what if question mark in your mind. Yeah. So for like, that's my it. whole thing always is live your life to the fullest. You're going to die. Like make it, make it happen. Make it worth it. Like live the biggest, juiciest, most decadent life that you could think of. 
like relationships, experiences, all of that is so much more important than money. And you're going to be happy at the end of it when you're like, wow, I fucking, I really lived. Like I really did, did that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. What a beautiful way to end off this amazing episode. Thank you so much, Sam. Can you just tell everybody your Instagram handle so that they know where to find you? I'll put everything below as well. And then we'll wrap up. Yeah. So you guys can come follow me at underscore Samantha Daily on Instagram. And if you want to check out the podcast, uh, there's an episode with Monica over there from a little while back. It's called Makeshift Happen. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Sam, for being on today's episode. So much wisdom, so much Sag fire. We loved it. And we'll see you next Mm. time. Guys, that was such a juicy conversation. I truly hope that you love it. Please make sure that when you screenshot the episode and put it on your Instagram stories that you tag Samantha and I, her details are below. You guys obviously have my handle as well. I really hope that you enjoyed the episode. If you haven't already left a written review, please do so. So much effort goes into these episodes. I know I've shared you with I know I've shared that with you before. So it means a lot when you leave a review. And if you send a picture of your review, like just take a picture before you actually click send, like uh, click post. If you grab that picture, take a screenshot and send it to media at monarchyatesshealth.com. I will also send you a little a little gift in return that you cannot find anywhere else on the website. You cannot buy it, etc. Like you literally cannot buy it. Um, so if you want that, please just leave a review, send a screenshot and I'll be more than happy to send it to you. 